Uh, Hope read my my most uh, recent favorite little portion from our sacred writings, uh, a lawyer or an expert in the law. That means one well-versed in Jewish law, sometimes called instructions, sometimes called Torah, asks a question to test Jesus. So it's actually quite a standard question. It wasn't a tricky question. What deeds lead to life is essentially the question, which is a pretty important question. We're asking it all the time. Like, you know, we have lots of answers, exercise, uh, good eating habits, but what deeds lead to life? People often impose a negative spin on this lawyer, um, not just because of our modern, you know, kind of crazy stereotype of, of lawyers. Some of my best friends are lawyers. Um, but people, people often kind of read this um, expert in the law through a negative lens, but I, I don't read it that way. Jesus was a new teacher in Israel. He without, was without the normal credentials. Uh, he rose quickly to prominence, mostly, mostly because of his healing powers. So this expert in the law was doing his due diligence. Um, he was exercising his responsibility. We shouldn't just blindly follow popular teachers. We should check them out. We should test them, if only inside our heads. But I especially like Jesus' answer to his questioner's question about the deeds that lead to life. Jesus replies to this question, what has been written and how do you read it? What has been written is one thing. How do you read it is another So ancient Judaism regarded their sacred writings um, actually quite a bit differently than the kind of the standard view of a lot of um, a lot of Christianity. Ancient Judaism regarded their sacred writings as cryptic. That means not plain, not obvious in meaning because they were sacred. The writings were cryptic. That was considered like a mark of a spiritual writing. So, of course, there were many ways to read them. In that case, disagreements were expected and not nearly so threatening. You know, remember, too, the culture was Middle Eastern, not Minnesota nice. So there's heat, like certain Mexican or Indian cuisines in the disputes and disagreements about um, how to read a particular portion. People express their disagreements with lots of sriracha, (laughs) but but, um, many different readings, of course. So when Jesus replied, not only what has been written, but also how do you read it? He he wasn't being like super brilliant Jesus. He was just expressing a very Jewish approach to Israel's sacred writings. So why am I bringing this up today? Well, we we are all in need of divine centering these days, perhaps more than ever. We're, We're in need of inspiration. Um, I wish I had, I wish they made like a pin making machine. I wear this pin every Sunday and I I wish I could have like a home pin making machine because I hear different things and I really like that. I I think I heard this at our staff meeting. Maybe it was Emily said it. We are all not okay. We're we're talking about the impact of the ongoing, you know, COVID stuff. And and, uh, someone said, we are all not okay. It's like, ah. I want to put that on a pin and just wear it. And, and our Sunday morning time is a time for catching a moment of divine centering, of, of inspiration, of uh, a lift in perspective or a shift in perspective to help us through 
a difficult time. It might come through a song or a prayer or the candlelighting portion or communion or the benediction at the end or through the portion of scripture that is read and commented on like I'm doing right here. So last Sunday, my uh, mini magic moment came through, uh, be courageous, I'm here, no need to be afraid. And that's like been resonating all week for me, a lift of perspective, a shift of perspective, sense of not being alone from others, from ourselves or from God, helpful. But uh, we face an obvious challenge and probably an opportunity in this particular portion of our service where someone's commenting on a portion of our sacred writings. Many of us have been exposed to ignorant, dysfunctional, or even damaging ways of reading our sacred writings. I don't need to belabor this point. You, you appreciate it instantly, I think. The difference between inspiration and breaking out in hives often boils down to the perspective that underlies the second part of Jesus' reply, not just what was written, but how do you read it? What a huge difference it would make if we understood what has been written is only half the question. How do you read it, in a sense, is even as important. I thought I might try to answer for myself as one of the people who does this on, uh, on Sunday on a recurring basis, commenting on a a text, a portion from scripture. Um, yeah, how, how do I read it? Um, if I were listening to me talking, I'd kind of want to ask that question. Well, how, how do you read it? In, in general, how do I read or approach the task of reading a collection of ancient writings like this? Sometimes, um, you know, we don't know our own opinions about a matter until we hear someone else state theirs. Like, like uh, I leave book groups from time to time. And the first session, it's always like, okay, <laughs> what'd you think of the book? And it's always great when the first person offers an opinion because that gets the discussion going and, and, and people, people understand what their own opinions were by hearing someone else's and how theirs, their approach diverged from theirs and was similar and blah, blah, blah. So today is a little experiment to see if addressing this question, um, how do we read this ancient ancient collection of writings, whether talking about it directly is helpful or not. Um, not like in a series, you know, three weeks in a row, but maybe now and again. Let me, let me know by email or chat if this topic is worth another try sometime. But anyway, actually, I want to begin uh, today by just sharing highlights from someone who reads these writings in a way that resonates with me. Let me tell you who it is and then share a handful of the things uh, this person has to say. His name is Leon Cass, K-A-S-S. -S. He's a professor emeritus from the University of Chicago. I think he's in, well in, into his 80s. Uh, his area was great books, like the great books of uh, ancient literature. Um, he described himself, uh, I think he's, he's definitely still alive. He just wrote another book, Dries, describes himself as a humanist. He grew up secular Jewish and didn't start attending synagogue until well into adulthood. Uh, he had a great rabbi whose commentary on Torah intrigued him. So in his great books department at the University of California, he's done entire courses like for 20 years on just the book of Genesis and, as well as the book of Exodus. And he's written books on these two books of the Hebrew Bible, the first two books of our, of our Bible. His first book, um, it's titled Genesis, The Beginning of Wisdom. I loved it. Uh, I think Emily loved it. 
we came out, uh, Leon Casted, with another just recently on Exodus. And in the introduction of his new book, Leon Cast includes a three-page um, subsection in the intro just titled, How I Read. Uh, so that's what I'll summarize for you. Uh, his, his main way of reading Genesis and Exodus, and I assume it applies to scripture as a whole for Leon Cass, is philosophically, but not philosophy in the academic sense of argumentation and logic and all that, uh, but in the basic sense of philosophy. The philo in philosophy means love in Greek, uh, philo, and the, and the uh, sophie in philosophy uh, refers to Sophia, the divine feminine of ancient thought, including um, the Hebrew Bible. So he, he reads these writings as a seeker or lover of Sophia. Sophia is, is a delighter and a dancer, an artist. So it's a, a very different vibe, um, different than seeking absolute truth or certainty or the magic ring of control. Jesus was a lover of Sophia also. So that says a lot about Jesus and Sophia. Great way to read sacred writings, and it's the way Leon Cass does it. So I'm paraphrasing here, uh, but pretty closely from Leon Cass on how I read it in his introduction. No matter who reads it, the Bible is not self-interpreting. Like most books, the Bible doesn't provide rules for how to read it. The thoughtful reader must find their own way. That, that's totally been my experience. Ultimately, I've had to find my own way of reading this book. Um, as a pastor where this occupies a lot of my mental space over the years, that's meant wading through uh, many of like the proposed ways, the systems of reading that you get in different traditions and saying, well, what makes sense to me? Like what comports with my experience of reading this book and actually getting something out of it. Uh, you know, that meant over the years, trying some ways on for size, seeing they didn't fit or just parts of them fit, um, trying something else. And in that process, cobbling together an approach that works for me. Uh, I'm a little nerdy, I'll admit. So I value scholarship. It's actually a source of woo-woo inspiration for me to read dense um, scholarship about, um, about scripture. Whereas for others, it's, let's just say it's not like a woo-woo moment, uh, a, a window into the divine. Uh, my spouse, Julia, is an Episcopal priest. She has a, uh, first she got a master's in music and then a master's in divinity. Uh, Julia was a choir director since she was in high school. And then for 20 years professionally at St. Clair's Church, our local host congregation. And then she was a priest. Uh, Julia is not into like reading biblical scholarship like I am. I, I, I would say music, hymns in particular, is a lens that she uses for mining the treasures of scripture. If it, it, like for Julia, if it doesn't sing, if it doesn't fit into a great lyric set to a great tune, it doesn't move her in, in the same way. And it's a totally beautiful way of, of engaging. So everyone has their has their own way. And just by the way, I know people who have been immersed in ways of reading scripture that have been harmful. Many who were big into reading, as in like sit down and read. 
And they end up taking what I regard as a loving sabbatical from reading scripture. Um, They do that for the sake of their divine connection. Uh, Sometimes I'm guessing a lifelong sabbatical may be called for. Uh, You know, for, for Eastern Christianity, meditating with icons is a powerful window into the divine, much, much more than like sitting down reading uh, sacred writings, reading scripture. Um, I've only dabbled in, in meditating with use of icons, loved it. Um, but sacred writings are only one door, one window into the temple of the sacred. Scripture is more inspiring when it's not an idol. Besides, the, the aim of any spiritual practice is love. So if it ain't helping you love, well, use another practice by all means. Um, now, for those who do, Cass says, no matter who reads it, the Bible is not self-interpreting. Like most books, movies, anything, the Bible doesn't provide rules for how to read it. The thoughtful reader must find their own way. Here's a bit uh, for nerds like me that Cass says, um, every word matters. So does word order, first or unique uses, nearby repetition, puns, shifts from prose into poetry, juxtapositions, what precedes or follows, absences and silences also count. I, I love that. <laughs> but if you're not a nerd, I won't, <laughs> I won't explicate it. Um, and I love this from Leon Cass. Like any great book, the Bible carries its own persuasive power in itself. Access to the truth it might contain does not require prior faith, prior traditional or religious commitments, or reliance on outside authorities. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, If access to the truths of Scripture, the, the truths that Scripture might contain, depends on some prior faith, some prior traditional or religious reliance on outside authorities, what's the difference between that and a cult? I mean, cults ask for upfront prior commitments, like you sign a blank check, and then the group fills it in. I prefer the Leon Casway of reading scripture. Like any great book, it carries its own persuasive power in itself. It doesn't require prior faith, prior traditional or religious commitments, or reliance on outside authorities. A corollary to this, and oh my gosh, this is, this is brilliant, Leon Cass. Commandments, instructions, etc., have to make enough sense to give one's consent. Maybe for another time, I can tell the first time I followed what I thought was a command in Scripture, even though it didn't make sense, and came to regret it. Uh, Not advised. Uh, We could vastly reduce harmful readings by observing this. Where was Leon Cass when I needed him at the age of 20? Commandments, instructions, etc. have to make enough sense to give one's consent. Here's another, and I'm almost done. Often the stories of the Bible are too rich, too complex, and too deep to be captured fully once and for all. 
one can approach the book in a spirit that is simultaneously philosophical, remember he means as a lover, a seeker of wisdom, modest and reverent. Here's another, um, to glean its benefits, we can, we should, enter sympathetically into it and inhabit the hearts and minds of all its characters, including those who initially repel us. This takes an effort of sympathy and imagination. I think, I think actually Emily did this last week with her Jesus walking on the water and Peter and all that. It, it led to my mini magic moment around be courageous, I'm here, no need to fear. Last one for today, maybe, maybe worth expanding on another time because I, I think it speaks to a really important question about why, why would you even bother with such an ancient set of writings that has you know, so many characteristics of the ancient world, patriarchy and different approaches to violence and all, all sorts of things. Why, why would we even bother uh, exposing ourselves to ancient writings? Um, they're so far removed from some of our modern sensibilities and, and, and so close to us in our essential humanity. Uh, he writes this, we, we can become integral participants in the book. Even though I'm not a character in this story, my vicarious participation is required for the text to come fully to life. Such participation can change our feelings and thoughts about important matters, precisely because the world of the text is so different from my own, it can be a powerful mirror in which to look at my own complacent understandings of significant subjects. Now, what I like about Leon Cass on his uh, How I Read is, is how he combines um, investing effort, especially exercising the imagination. Uh, he combines that with humility, but, but also in a way that is just relaxing, like not being uptight, which means ignoring approaches that we may have learned in the past that are really more about chasing control and certainty and are riddled with fear and compulsion than they are with actually accessing something divine that helps us to love. So and, enough for today. Uh, and now I'll turn it over to Cassie who will lead us in a time of meditation. Thanks, Ken. So we're going to move into our time of meditation. Let's just start by closing our eyes. Take a deep breath in through your nose, fill your lungs, and when it's comfortable, release that breath through your mouth. Continue this pattern of breathing at your own comfortable pace, nice and slowly. Whatever primary emotion you brought with you into this space today, I want you to identify and acknowledge it. If you feel joyful today, acknowledge that. If you feel angry, acknowledge that. If you feel excited, frustrated, 
relieved, worried, thankful, overwhelmed, at peace. Acknowledge and accept your emotions as they are in this moment and keep breathing. Now, if you're comfortable doing so, imagine God or spirit or Jesus as you understand them sitting with you in this emotion. What do they say? What do they do? How do they react to this emotion that you're experiencing? How do they show you love in this moment? Continue to breathe deeply in through your nose and out through your mouth. From Psalm 36, how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. One more deep breath in and out. Amen.